How are you this morning? Good. Well, I am. Um, how good with the band? These guys haven't had any sleep and they pull that off. I can't do that when I've been awake, so well done. I have to thank Ian and Pam for having me. I love to come up to Newcastle. I think I love the O'Day family. They just make me feel like I'm younger. Even though I feel young, I, just, I talk to Ian and I walk away going, I should be a rocker. I always feel like that. It's just natural that I want to get on a guitar and start to do. But then I also want to thank Adam and Mel. Adam has become one of my good friends over this past year and a half. I think that on a regular basis, we're probably talking once or twice a week and just talking about life and what's going on. So I think you probably have some of the best youth pastors in Australia, if not the world, with these two. So can you say what they did with your young people is awesome, but thank you for having me. I appreciate your friendship. But I, um, it's Pentecost Sunday. And I know that if I didn't say it, I would get in trouble. Because Pam is definitely one of the, like, I think she's a secret holy roller like me. <laughs> but I, I think it's one of the most, I'm going to speak from a bit by, from Acts 1-8 this morning a little bit. But I, I just think that he sent his power, that we can have it in our everyday. Yes. And if you're missing that action this morning, you can actually enter into it. And it just starts with an, a relationship with Jesus that we can actually enter into the relationship with God, that he enables us with his power that we can go every day. And so this morning, I reckon at the end of it, we're going to have an opportunity where people can meet Jesus and also enter in, get the Holy Spirit on the inside that they can go and empower their every day. But I think that we have to get some areas in our world uh, in line to try and see Jesus come and start to move in those areas, is that okay if I help us this morning? I'm going to help myself as well because I know I need it. So I'm going to pray. And once I've prayed, we're going to start to get into it. God, this morning, I thank you for this church, this place, this, this house. And I thank you that as I speak, they're not my words, they're your words. I thank you that, that as I speak, that people's hearts are, are in tune to your voice. And as they hear you speak, something drops and they get to walk out of this place different. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all you've done this weekend with the young people and what's going to happen in the next couple of years from what you sowed in them this weekend. I thank you for a church that believes in young people. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn your Bible to, I'm going to speak from Mark 2, verse 1 through 5. But I, a couple of years ago when I was 16, I was, I was in a service just like this on a Sunday morning with a preacher not like me. He probably, I would suggest he was probably a bit older than me, actually a lot older than me, but he spoke about a thing called revival. And I remember then going the next Wednesday night, and in those days we did Wednesday night prayer meetings, and I went to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and at the prayer meeting we prayed for revival. And then the next Wednesday night we we turned up again and we prayed for revival. And then the next Wednesday night we turned up and we prayed for revival. And and I think that we pray for revival every, every week. I actually, I remember sitting under pews and listening to my parents pray for revival. And what we see today, I believe, is the revival they were praying for back then. The problem was they were so busy praying for revival back then, they were missing the revival that was happening in front of them. And I'm like, God, I don't want to miss the revival that you've sent in front of me. I want to be actually the conduit of the revival. And I sit here going, this morning, we could actually be the generation that brings in people into the place that actually can meet Jesus. See, maybe you don't know how to do that. I actually think it's so easy. I was saying last night when I was about 18 years old, I read a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. There was two things I got out of that book. One, people love their name. Have you ever noticed whenever you hear, oh, oh, in a crowd, it's your name? I go, yeah, it's Joel. Yes, I'm here. I don't know what that is. And the other thing is if you smile at someone, they smile back. If you go to a baby, have you ever gone to a baby and just smiled? They're 
face smiling. And you go like gooey, gooey, gooey. Oh, you're the bidet. What? We got a dog. I don't know why we got a dog. She's saying it's my idea. It wasn't my idea. But we drove four and a half hours to Kudamundra. I don't know why we drove that far to get a dog. But we did. We went because the dog has blue eyes. Anyway, we, we, drove, we drove to Kudamundra and the dog, we smiled at the dog. Because the dog's always smiling. Wags its tail, we smile. But I was on a train this one day. And I was sitting on the train. This little old lady, I smiled at her. I was 18. She might have thought I was being a little cheeky. I don't know what it was. And she was, she was definitely a lot older than me. And as she got up, she goes, I haven't been smiled at like that for so long. Thank you. I went, oh. And so it made me smile more and more and more. And I, I just think that if you can understand someone's name and smile, revival actually is easier to start a conversation. Because revival is purely a conversation that leads them to Jesus. See, Jesus will work in your everyday. It's through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit as you go out into your everyday that it works. See, the church is not just here on Sunday. The church is everywhere you go. It's in your high school on, Sunday, on Monday morning. It's in your workplace on Monday morning. It's in your kid's school on Monday morning. It's everywhere you go. It's not just here. So this morning, I want to help us go there. So there's a, in Matthew 28, 18, I'm going to get to one scripture, but it says, go into all the world and make disciples. Preaching to, them, preaching to them. But I don't think preaching is actually always what I'm doing right now. I think preaching is sometimes just saying hi. Preaching is just going along the journey with them. See, I like to walk out my talk before I actually get to talk my walk. So if I get to talk with them and just walk with them through their, the journeys of life, they actually will most likely listen to me talk one day. Have you ever noticed that if you spend enough time with someone, they'll start to listen to what you say? And usually what you say isn't about the words you've said, but about the love you show. And as you start to love someone and start to be with them, you start to become Matthew 28, living and active in them. They can't deny who you are and what's going on inside of you. And all of a sudden they'll get to a point where they go, hey, what's going on? And you get to say, well, it's this little thing called Jesus. This morning, what does it look like? It means wherever there's pain in this community. Wherever there's a heart beating, where there's sadness or there's a party or whatever it is, you need to go. See, it's not just India and Africa, it's the whole world. It means that you're going to New Lambton, you're going to your local high school, you're going to Newcastle, you're going to the very ends of the earth. Last night I said, it says in Acts 1.8, it says you're going to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Those three areas, they're not just, like, take away the Middle East for a second. Let's put it into your local area. For a young person, it's your school. That's your Jerusalem. For a work person, Jerusalem is your, your, your school, your family, it's your friends. Your Judea is the, the next, new, it's Newcastle, it's a, a, greater, a greater area. Then maybe Samaria is New South Wales, maybe Samaria is Australia to you, but it's literally break it down. Don't let the word of God be distant to you, but let it be actually into, engaging you into your everyday. Because if the Bible stays at a distance, Jesus stays at a distance. But Jesus actually came so he could be with you. Everywhere you go. This morning, it's a, I don't want to have church in the normal anymore. See, revival isn't normal. Revival is extraordinary, silly, crazy things. I, I think it means every seat filled. It means that I'm not getting my normal seat on a Sunday. It means I'm not going to be able to be where I normally am. It means that maybe you're used to sitting where the young people are this morning, but they got your seat and so you're like, oh, young people. <laughs> There's some people laughing, it means it's true. <laughs> uh, 
but that's kind of a little bit what it means to have revival. It means you're not going to get the everyday ordinary. It means there's going to be some smelly people in church this morning. They're just here. It means it's going to be hard to sit next to someone. It means it's going to be, as iron sharpens iron sometimes, it's going to be some sandpaper ministry. It's going to be some diamonds in the rough you're going to have to work through. It means you're going to have to disciple some people through some things that they don't know how to get through. There's going to be broken marriages and there's going to be cancer. There's going to be messed up lives. And are you okay with that? Because if you are, you're in the right church. So I understand what I, when I've spoken to Pam and Ian and I understand Adam and Mel to be this a group of people who go, we want to see people know Jesus. Just like we have known him and what he's done in our worlds, we need to see them know Jesus. So how do we do that? I, I think you need a bit of an over our head mentality. I remember being taken to Hungry Jack's by my wife who had been married for about a year and a half. She, I was at work and she goes, Joel, we need to have lunch and she didn't often do this to me but she's we need to have lunch I'm like let's have lunch like it's all of a sudden we're having lunch like it's a bit awkward having lunch we've been married for a year and a half I thought we got past having to ask for lunch we just have lunch but she asked me let's go and have come to Hungry Jack's and went oh let's meet at Hungry Jack's so I drove to drove from work to have my lunch break and we sat down and she didn't get anything to eat, but I went and got heaps to eat. And before I got my Big Mac, or so my Whopper with minus pickle, minus onion with extra tomato, I went to bite into it. She goes, Joel, we're pregnant. <laughs> you can have the onion rings. Like, I, was, I felt so over my head. I was 24 years old. I was, what am I going to do with a kid? Like, what do you do with these things? That's literally what I thought. I remember having Zion and Riv actually went into labor. Well, not even to labor. She didn't get that far. Well, nine weeks premature Zion was. I'm like, what do I do now? I've got to get, we haven't even been to those, those, those classes. The classes teach you how to breathe. I don't, even, I don't know how to breathe. I, I, we didn't get that far. The book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, didn't tell me what to expect when I was expecting. I don't know what it was, but nine weeks, prim- I was over my head. Then we had a second child. Oh, goodness me. Second child. And the kid didn't sleep, the second child. So now I'm over my head head. But you know what? Life would be terribly boring if I didn't have some over my head moments. How boring would it be if I didn't feel like I was drowning just a little bit? Because it says he'll never put you somewhere he can't save you. He always is going to lift you out of a miry clay. But if I feel like I can do it, Jesus never has a place to show up. Guess what? He's shown up over and over and over again in our worlds purely because we've given him the opportunity and made room for him to show up. Have you made room for him to show up in your everyday? Do you have a little bit over your head? As we get older, we sometimes don't want the over our head feeling. We get a little bit more comfortable in our four bedroom house with our two cars, our one dog and our kids have left the house. Like we get a little bit comfortable in it. Maybe God's actually asking you to step out a little bit and feel a bit over your head a bit more. And actually go, it's not going to be normal. See, I, I had a grandfather and he was amazing. He's going to be with God right now. But he decided one day that he was a little bit over how he did life. So he went and started playing lawn bowls. <laughs> Purely because he felt if he went to lawn bowls, he could meet some people. You have a community And they're out there waiting for you. And you can be Jesus with flesh on because you could be the only Jesus they'll ever meet. 
See, they're not going to pick up the Bible and go, who is this Jesus? They're going to meet you. And as they meet you, they're going to go, there is something about this person. See, some of those conversations will be over your head conversations. It says in Matthew 6, 25, 24, literally not to worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. As God has taken care of the birds of the air, so he'll take care of you. But for some reason, we get so consumed by me. What's going on with me? I woke up this morning and thought, how do I look? It's consumed by me. I looked in the mirror and I look good. And then I was told to change what I was wearing. so consumed by how you look and what you do and where you're going and am I going the right directions am I but don't worry what you'll wear or what you'll eat one day we're going to wake up and have a good look around us and understand that we've been missing and doing life just how it is and God doesn't want you to miss life he wants you to do life people have been searching for answers and we have that answer and his name is Jesus but will you decide to see the need see the casualty of a growing church is comfort your comfort will go out the window when Jesus starts to show this place to grow, grow, grow. And when that starts to happen, are you okay to sit in the foyer? Are you okay to, to be watching a video link? Are you okay to be looking through windows? Because wherever Jesus was in history, they were ripping off roofs and trying to get in. They weren't, weren't worried about what they would eat, but they would sit at his feet to hear what he had to say because they understood that he says, I am the bread of life. So the casualty of a growing church is comfort. I had a slogan on my Friday nights as Fridays belong for those who don't belong. And that was what I said every Friday night to my leaders. Our Friday nights belong for those who don't belong. This is home for you. But guess what? We get to make this home for someone else tonight. Today we get to make this home for next Sunday. I don't know, like you get to make this home next weekend when it's the Red Shield appeal. Make it home for someone. Don't just knock on the door and say, hey, we need, hey, how can I be of assistance? I love you. Because that's what the red shield means to people. I believe that as you decide that, growing church starts to happen. I don't know if you're like me, that sometimes you're halfway through a growing moment. You're like, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments? I do all the time. Like I was growing my beard. I don't want this anymore, so I shaved it. Growing my hair, I get to moments of growing. I don't want it anymore. Cut it off. What about you? When silly moments when it's growing, we get so com- we want to go back to where we were. God doesn't want us to go back. He always wants to be moving forward in life. It doesn't matter your age or where you're from. He wants to continue you moving. Mark two one to five is this great story. It's a story of a, a paralytic man. He set, set the scene. There's a, a, a little old house with uh, hundreds of thousands of people around waiting. Jesus has come from the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's done all these things now. He's, he's got to this house where there's some friends and they decided to have some food. But wherever Jesus went, a crowd followed. So the crowd crammed the house. Then they crammed all around and this, this paralytic man was laying and probably heard of Jesus. And his friends were like, let's take him. You tell me, like, it's like, oh, do you, have you thought about bringing a guy on a stretcher to church lately? But he, read this story, he goes, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at a home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four, four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. Wherever Jesus is, people are removing roofs. 
The question is, will you allow Jesus to be in you every day? Because people will start to try and unearth the roof to try and get to him. See, I, the problem that I find is that we have a disease of me. And Jesus wants to understand it's not about you, it's about him. And if you put him first, everything aligns. And he takes care of you. But him first. Have him at the very center of your life. I have a statement in my world that I want to make sure that Jesus is my, he's my number one, but he's not my, I don't have any other functional saviors. I don't put any other saviors in place of my Jesus. My, I, I don't try and put my work in front of Jesus. I don't try and put my, 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 my driving of my car in front of Jesus. I don't try and put my road rage in front of Jesus. I, I put my Jesus in the front of it all. And if he's at the front, everything else can fall into place. But for some reason, when life gets too rough, we try and take Jesus out of control. We rip him out and we put everything we need in control. So when your finances aren't going great, you put your finances out in, in front and you say, I'll put Jesus second. And you stop honouring him first and all of a sudden your finances look even worse because you've stopped honouring him first. Stop having functional saviour as money. Your business is, is, is going really well and you start forgetting about Jesus because your business is going well. You're putting more time into that. Maybe you'll find as your time goes on, if you flick Jesus back to the very front and have him as your complete saviour, everything starts to align a lot better. So as your business starts to flourish, what falls? But as Jesus is at the front, everything starts to succeed. So if your personal comfort is is at at risk today, I'm sorry. Because I believe that as we grow as a church, God will show up and people will make room so others can come in. This should not just be a place for the Christian. This should be a place for the lost, the broken, the hurting. So number, I want to give us a few points to help us on that this way. Is that okay? A few choices you've got to make. Number one, the choice you have to make to see church in the abnormal. Is you, have to understand, you have to choose the power of God over the process of religion. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. So you have to follow the Holy Spirit at all occasions. He leads and he guides. It may not look like how you've always done it. It may not be how you want to do it. It actually is his idea in his way. But the moment Jesus showed up, he was breaking the processes of religion. See, the world was looking for a king and a horse, but they got a carpenter and a donkey. They wanted the protocol of healing. Instead, they got a man spitting on his hands, smacking people in the face, and it was started to work. Instead of picking theologians and scholars, he's picking fishermen. See, this is the God that we serve. Not a God who wants the normal. He wants the outstanding, the abnormal. He wants the extraordinary. He wants the unusual thing to take place. He wants you to move. Not just me. He wants you. He doesn't want the pastors and the leaders. He wants the ordinary, the everyday person to step up and go, I am a leader in the church. See, the power of God doesn't need permission. It will just go if you let it. See, the blessing and the healing, we don't deserve it, but he gave it anyway. See, it's only by the power of God that we'll see cancer healed. Only by the power of God that we'll see marriages fall back together. It's only by the power of God that anything can change in your high school. Only by the power of God will comfort be, be, be restored. And it's only by the power of God that the lost can be saved. You can't do it. Sorry, you can't. I can't do it. I can't, but Jesus can. But the thing is, I have to be his hands and his feet. I have to be everywhere he goes. I've got to be with him. 
And I, have got, I pray every morning, God, I don't try and ask God to come into my day. I go, God, can I enter into your day today? That I may have eyes to see and ears to hear, that I can be your hands and feet wherever I go. That's the prayer I pray every day I walk into my workplace. I've only got five guys to work with. <laughs> I've got to actually have ears to hear in moments because I know them so well. I know that some of them aren't interested in the gospel. I know one guy has already come and been, got saved because I got to sit there every day and hear about his problems. I know that. My question is, will I still have ears to hear even when it's normal? Number two, we have to choose to see what some have chosen to ignore. Have you ever noticed that you sometimes get immune to the cries? I've got three kids. Let's just say, I've got Knox on the front row. He's cute. He's, he's very cute. Very cute. He's very, very cheeky, but he's cute. He's very funny too, I'm telling you. He can dance. He's, not, he's ignoring me. When he was younger, I, we had three and Riv would do a lot of driving with the three in the car and they would, they would cry in the back and I'd get frustrated by the crying. Just to be, be real vulnerable with you, I'd, I'd get really frustrated. I'd kind of get angry. I don't know. But, but for some reason, it sounds like their marriage, I'll move on. So true. But for some reason, mums have this ability to block out certain cries. Have you ever noticed that mums can, they know what cries mean and when it's a certain cry, they go, not listening. But when it's a cry for certain pain, like we still have the, the, the thing now, he'll be upstairs being jumping with his brothers, being pummeled on a thing and all of a sudden he starts a certain cry, she goes, he's really in pain. Don't move or anything. She just gets immune to the cries and I was like, I don't get immune to the cries, the cries annoy me. This is true. <laughs> what about you? When you walk down here every day, do you hear the cries that are going on? Or are you immune to the cries? And it's not wrong to be immune to the cries. It really isn't. But it actually is an opening of your ears to hear the cries of people. See, some of their cries sound a little bit like my marriage is going through hell, but I don't want to tell you I'm putting on a mask right now. Some of them is my, my, my family is, is, is actually breaking all the way around me and I'm trying to hold it together right now. Some people is like, I, my mum or dad just got diagnosed with cancer. Some of people is like, as we heard this morning, it's so good that we got to pray for someone whose who's, you know, family is going through heartache right now. But some people don't have the ability to come to a family to pray for that. They're looking and they're crying and they're not saying I'm in pain and they're not saying I'm hurting, but they're acting out like they are. Will you hear the cries of the lost? Because they're literally right there, but it takes a person with some kind of relationship with Jesus to hear them. It takes a person with an Acts 1-8 relationship with Jesus, an upper room experience that has the Holy Ghost in them and says, I can hear the cries of the lost. This morning, they are crying. As soon as you walk out of here, you're going to go to lunch somewhere. And when you walk into a cafe, maybe, just maybe, you can actually try and overhear a conversation and you'll hear a marriage disaster. And your decision will be, will you decide to pray for them? Will you decide to give them a card? Will you decide to say hello and a smile? Will you decide to welcome them into your world somehow, some way, in some way? Will you pay for their lunch without them knowing? Because I, I understand that when you're immune to the cries, you can't change anything. But when you start to hear the cry, you can change everything. This morning, it, it bothers me that our generation, especially the young people, that we, we kind of just go about our worlds and 
We kind of get so entwined by our social medias that we're, we're missing the interaction of the actual everyday. You think that everyone's social media posts are their everyday, but their social media posts are highlights, not telling you their fights and their insecurities. But let me tell you, behind every selfie, there's a broken person. This morning, in Mark 2, 3, it says this one line that I, I couldn't get past as I was reading it. It says, some men came bringing their friends. Some men. It's such a simple line. Some men. See, it took some men. The sick man didn't come on his own. The broken person couldn't get himself up. He couldn't get himself off his stretcher and bring himself. He needed somebody. See, this morning, I don't know where you're at or who it is, but are you resourceful like those some men? See, those some men, it took one man to go, I know a guy who's got a rope. And that guy goes, who is it? He says, well, he walks, he's down the way. It's going to cost us 55 cents. Hold on. I've got 55 cents. You've got the idea. I've got the money. How do we get there? I've got a car. And it took some men to go and get their paralytic friend who couldn't do it on his own, who didn't know there was a church service going on, but he'd heard of Jesus, but couldn't get to Jesus. So they picked him up, put him on the back of a ute, and they drove him to where he couldn't get. And they didn't get upset that they couldn't get near him. Actually, they saw the crowds and went, oh, Jesus is here. Let me tell you, when people come, they see a crowd and go, Jesus is here. And let me tell you, when you know Jesus somewhere, something is bound to happen. Because wherever you see something in the Bible where it says Jesus was there, something unusual always took place. Whether a blind man was being smacked in the face, whether blind Bartimaeus was, by the power of God, get up and walk. Well, it doesn't matter what story you can look at in the New Testament where Jesus was, something happened. But before Jesus did anything, there was always some men, some women, setting it up. So Jesus could do what he could do. So who are you in this? Are you going to be a some man, some woman today? That will leave this place and and, and race after the broken and the lost? Are you going to be someone who, who goes that Jesus can change things? Are you going to be someone who says, I'm going to choose the power of God in my everyday. I'm going to look for opportunities to use his power through me into my everyday. Are you going to stop worrying about what religion looks like because Joel's wearing, wearing ripped jeans and, and shouting at me? Are you going to worry, or are you actually going to understand this by the power of the presence of God that things can change? You're, you can have that presence everywhere you go every day, purely by entering into Him. See, one day on the record books will be written the names of some men, some women from North Lake Salvation Army. They decided to grab their rope to see the need, to hear the cry and bring the sick, the lost to Jesus. See, Mark 2, 5, it finishes off with their faith. Some men, their faith. The paralytic man didn't have faith for himself. It took their faith to see him healed. Do you have faith that your friend your brother, your sister, your, your mother, your father, your, your workmates. 
Do you have faith that He is who He says He is? That He can do what He says He will do? Do you? I love to, to try and scare people with the gospel. In unusual moments, like on planes sometimes, where they can't go anywhere. <laughs> I was just on a trip in the States and it's awkward sitting certain places in the plane looking like I had a big beard and my hair out and it was two in the morning and we got on a plane and it was, it was terrible. I looked homeless. <laughs> and as I sat there, the guy goes, what are you doing in America? Oh, I'm just, I'm traveling, speaking a little bit. What do you speak about? Here we go. I speak about Jesus. Oh, And that you can see them try and do the math. How does a homeless looking good? <laughs> From Australia, I was sitting in like, because I'd done so many miles that trip, I was in the first class of a domestic flight. How does he sit in first class looking like that, saying he talks about Jesus? And he goes, but what do you mean you talk about Jesus? Two in the morning, do I take the opportunity to have ears to hear or do I decide to go to sleep? I took 45 minutes to explain the gospel. I don't know where he is. I don't even know if he made a decision for Christ. But I do know one thing. He heard the gospel. Because he was crying for something. And his intrigue drew him to Jesus. Will you let people be intrigued by Jesus in you? Will you be some man or some woman today that your faith will lead someone to Jesus? I believe your faith can actually do it. I'm going to ask the team to come and join me as I finish this service. But I believe this morning that if you decide that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, that when He died on the cross and rose again, that He actually changed your life, He can change your world. So I'd love to be able to pray with you this morning. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? See, before I go any further in a service, I always like to make sure I ask you people if they know who He is. And I just ask you to close your eyes so people can have some privacy and have their moment. And see, let them do some inner talking to themselves about who He is. See, maybe you've been here coming to Northeast for years and it's like you've never made a decision for Christ. Well, today could be your day. Maybe you're in here going, I accidentally came to this place and I don't even know how and today's your day. See, I, I remember being 16 and I, I grew up in church. I heard all about him, but I remember making, this is going to be my day for the rest of my life. I'm going to serve him. Today could be your day. See, it says that 2,000 some years ago, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. He, see, he, you don't have to die. You don't have to do it any longer. He's already done it for you. You don't have to pay the price. Jesus already has done it. He took a beating of a lifetime that he didn't deserve. He took a cross that was made for Barabbas. And he took a grave made for Joseph and he left both of, them in, both of them in the past and he rose again so we could have hope. See, the cross is for your forgiveness and the, the, the resurrection is for your hope of tomorrow because without the resurrection, the cross is useless. And without the, res, without the cross, the resurrection is useless. They need both, the, both of each other need to happen so we can know salvation. This morning, do you know him? He took a beating for you, a cross for you and rose for you so you could know forgiveness. So you can know love like you've never had. So you can know a life of wholeness, life to the full. Wherever you are this morning, with every eye closed, head bowed, I'd love just to see who goes, Joel, I need Jesus this morning. 
I need to start this journey. Where maybe it's been for the first time. Maybe it's for the thousandth time this morning. It says, I need Jesus. Wherever you are, I just love to just to pop your hand up just so I can see who I'm praying for. Just this morning, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. It says, Jesus, come. Thank you so much. It says, this morning, I need him to come and move in my life that I could live this every day out. Thank you so much at the front here. Is there anyone else that says, Jesus, thank you so much? It says, I, at the back, awesome. Thank you, thank you. It says, I need Jesus today. Once you've raised your hand, you can put them down. That's awesome. Thank you so much, sir. We're going to pray this prayer. As we pray this prayer, it's just a simple introduction to Jesus that you'd continue your journey. So would you repeat it with me? Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you that this morning I can start my journey with you. I thank you that you've forgiven my sin, set me apart, love me unconditionally, that I can know life and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, I'm a Christian. Christian. A Christ follower. follower. Amen.